You are listening to Scars and Guitars, the podcast series. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and the interview subject you will listen to on this episode is a fella called Dave Stevens. He's a bloke out the front of a band called We Came As Romans. The opportunity to chat to Dave came about due to the launch of their brand new album for 2017. So let's hear what Dave has to say. Here we go. Hello. Hey, Dave, it's Andy Mackay-Smith calling. How are you, mate? Hey, man, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. How have the interviews been going so far? Great, great. It's been uh, pretty busy, but awesome. The Aussie phone and grind, mate. Do we treat you any differently than the rest of the world? Sorry, what was that? The the I call it the Aussie phone and grind because obviously when we call through, we, we're calling through as part of blocks of interviews. So, mate, how how do Australian interviewers treat you compared to the rest of the world? I think you guys are way funnier, <laughs> and uh, the interviews seem to be a little bit more lighthearted, which is which is fun. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I was talking to Aaron from Under Oath about twelve months ago, mate. And he he shared with me a few hilarious stories about being interviewed in Germany. How full on it can be. Like the questions are like, so your last your last album was really shit, and this album is a big improvement. Why is that? They're the sort of questions that they ask. Yeah. Hold on one second. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's funny in Germany. They're just so straightforward about everything. Um, there's no, uh, there's no like sugarcoating anything. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, mate. All right, I'll kick things off then. Yeah, like uh, um, a, a funny story actually about that. Uh, now I'm thinking about it. Our uh, videographer was from Germany, and he had pretty much that exact conversation with us. He was like. He's like, yeah. He's like, I didn't like your last record, but uh, the new one, definitely good. <laughs> like, they're just so straightforward. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, cool, mate. All right, well, uh, how much time have I got for the interview? Um, 24 minutes. Excellent. Okay, brilliant. All right. Exactly. <laughs> well, mate, I'm going to congratulate you because I had very little background on the band, but I really do enjoy Cold Like War. I travel a lot, so I tend to have a lot of time to listen to albums, and I've received a lot of Metacore albums this year. It's been a bumper year for the genre. Um, but, mate, I'm really enjoying yours, and it's right up there in terms of one of the best releases of the year, and I'm not just saying that. I genuinely mean that. But what do you feel is important about the record, and what do you want? I host a podcast series, so people will be listening to our chat. What do you, what do you think listeners need to know about the album? Um, it was a really tough album to make. You know, we were in a situation where our backs were against the wall and, you know, we knew we needed to make something incredible to, um, you know, get back on our feet again. Um, and, you know, and I, I feel like our band, like, that's usually when we make our best work. I mean, that's usually when our sets are the best, when our albums are the best, or, you know, when the pressure's on and it's do or die. And, and this record was um, the most extreme form of that I think my band has ever experienced. Hmm. Okay. Mate, and you're, you're a foundation member of the band, I understand. You were the original rhythm guitarist and you also handled vocalists very early on, so this is about 10 or 12 years ago. You left the band in 2006 or thereabouts and you came back in 2008. What happened then? No, I was in the band the whole time, um, but I did get moved around a lot in the band, so maybe that's why uh, you have a mistake in <laughs> my... Um, my band, I just, I feel like they move me wherever they need me <laughs> at the time. Um, 
yeah, I started on guitar and then they, we all agreed to remove one of our singers from the band. So they were like, Hey, you know how to play keyboards and sing, right? I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. <laughs> so got moved to that. And then, um, they wanted to kick out the screamer as well. And then add Kyle, but Kyle didn't know how to scream and, uh, or he did, but wasn't able to sing and scream. I guess, but we wanted a singer. We liked his voice a little bit more than mine at the time. So they moved me to screaming. <laughs> and, uh, once again, they were kind of like, do you know how to do this? And I was like, not really, but, uh, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, sweet. Okay. Actually, I got that from Wikipedia and that'll be my next question actually, because I didn't have too much background on the band. Obviously I'd heard of you guys before, but I tend to go to Wikipedia because, you know, what other source do you tend to go to? You know, a lot of the interviews and the like, they're just, um, I'm going to say there's misinformation out there, but Wikipedia tends to be a fairly solid source of information about a band. And, mate, your entry rivals that of Guns N' Roses. It's huge. There's a heap of content there for fans to get into. There are blocks of paragraphs that go into extraordinary detail regarding episodes in the band's career. Is there a reason for that? Now, I've done many interviews during my time, and I know that some bands feel that they have a need to set the record straight because former members like to pitch their side of the story to media, which can lead to some interesting conversations between existing and former members through the media. So I'll double back, mate. Sorry, it's a long way to make the point or ask the question. How come your Wikipedia entry is so massive? So what? Massive. It's huge. Very, very lot of information, a lot of detailed information. Oh, yeah. I think it's a combination of things. Um, actually, my friend is the one who used to run it, and he's like a really big fan too. But that was uh, several years ago, and um, he wound up getting kind of frustrated with it because so many people kept like changing it and adding to it, and, <laughs> and he was just like, "All right, man, I'm done." But um, I don't think it's a bad thing. I, th I think we just have a lot of really passionate fans. I think our fan base is. Um, pretty die hard and i think you know we have a lot of fans that you know want to add their own personal touches to it uh, <laughs> i'm not really sure um or maybe it's just something like we have a lot of history i mean we've been a band for a minute um i'm not entirely sure but maybe it's a combination of those things oh it's great i mean it allowed me to really get some very interesting coverage on where the band had been and where the band was heading to um, so no, I mean it's a good. I think it's a good thing. I'm certainly not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's a wonderful thing that you've got member fans or members of the band that are passionate enough about the band to want to spread the word, even if it's via something as obvious as Wikipedia. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely awesome. It's such a blessing to be in the position that we're in and being able to do what we do, you know. And, and it all stems down to the you know, the, the, the fans being there for us to support us. I mean, if they're not buying our T-shirts and our CDs and attending our shows, um, <laughs> we're out of jobs. <laughs> True that, mate. And so your influences, who, who inspires the band and you individually? Um, I really got into music at a, at a super young age because my dad um, plays guitar and my mom plays drums, so there was always, like, guitars around their place, at their house, and my mom had her drum set set up downstairs, and I would always, like, jam out on it and try to get my sister to join me, and they eventually bought me a keyboard, too, and just always wanted to be in a band. I always tried forming one, and, um, you know, throughout my youth and everything. And so I'd say, you know, they were a big 
reason I got into music, they introduced it to me at a very young age, and I was just always, like, really infatuated by it, especially the performing aspect. Um, so, yeah, they're a huge influence. Musically, uh, I started off as a pop-punk kid, like, when I was in middle school and stuff. I loved MXPX, um, the old-school Green Day stuff, Reliant K, like, all those kind of bands. And um, I kind of wound up getting introduced to heavier music in high school, well, at the time, I thought it was really heavy because it had screaming and stuff. So, like, Thrice and The Bled. Um, and now that's... I, I definitely listen to heavier music now than the rest of my guys do. Like, uh, I really love a lot of hardcore and um, bands that are much heavier than mine. But um, that's just kind of my my personal influence and what I bring to the table when we came as Romans. You know, when they're writing music, they try to write music that they know I would like. Um and, you know, and also put their own personal influences on it. Everyone listens to such a crazy range of music. I definitely like the really heavy stuff. Andy likes, like, 90s new metal. <laughs> um, I guess uh, Kyle, he really loves, like, EDM, dance music. That's all he listens to. And I think that really comes through in a new record with all the programming that he did. It's pretty obvious that somebody in the band listens to that. Um and then Josh is just all about emo music. He likes like Moose Blood, Brand New, all that kind of stuff. Um, Lou, I have no idea what Lou listens to. He's all over the place. <laughs> he, sometimes he puts on like weird mainstream rap, and other times like this really hippie like ukulele shit. I don't know. Jesus, <laughs> he's he's all over. <laughs> Bit of uh, deliverance music, eh? Oh no, ukulele. Got us thinking of banjo, ukulele music. So uh, Inikamasa and all those sort of people playing over the singing over the rainbow. I suppose is that when you say ukulele music, the stuff he gets into. Yeah, it's always like really chill with like usually like a girl singing or a guy like basically just whispering. <laughs> I mean, we always we all make fun of each other for our music taste. It's funny. We all think we have. We all think every other member has the worst taste in music, <laughs> but I think it's just because we listen to so many different things, and and it's cool. Is when when it comes down to writing, you know, it all winds up coming together. What um what embarrassing late nineties new metal does your bandmate get into? Is it bands like Orgy? Remember those bands that were on the periphery that weren't as big as Limp Bizkit and Corn, but were in the pages of Kerrang? And I mean, I'm 39, so I remember that era really well, and I remember a ton of bands from that era that seemed to be there for about two or three years and then very quickly disappeared and they probably went back to their day jobs. But do you know what bands he gets into from that era? <laughs> um, man, I can't even remember the name of some of them. He, he likes this one band that they made up their own instrument, Motograder or something. Is that the name? <laughs> yeah, I remember the band. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't know that about them, but yeah, I certainly remember yeah, the band, Yeah, yeah, they like name. made their own instrument or something. Yeah, like he... he he likes them. He likes, um, uh, man, I'm trying to think. Hold on. Give me a second. It's, <laughs> he listens to some weird ones. Oh, he likes, um, static X, um, drowning pool. Uh, <laughs> all this weird, like new metal shit. I, I can't even remember the names of some of the bands. Cause some of them are bands. Like I had never even heard of that were just really underground or just never really made it. Yeah, there's a band here, oh, I'm going to get the name wrong, but I think they're called Ocean Grove. They're from Melbourne, Australia, obviously. And, mate, they're playing yeah, metal. Yeah, he does listen to them. Okay, there you go. So it is a band, yeah. And um, I think they sound okay, but, mate, what was more of a surprise to me was that it's bloody retro. 
It's gotten to the point where it's like got a retro movement going on. Like these guys, I don't even think were born when new metal started back in ninety five or nineteen ninety six. Yeah, I didn't. So wait, they're not a band from the nineties? No, no, they're from now. They're right now. They're from Melbourne right now. The young guys. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they must do a very yeah, good job. I had, at it. I had no idea. Yeah, look, it's it was a genre. I remember it really well because I remember being into. Morbid Angel and bands like, I still am, you know, very heavy death metal bands and black metal bands and the like. And then this genre came along. And I remember very quickly, a lot of the heavy metal guys and the grunge guys started to cut their hair, do that weird spiky hair thing that Eminem was doing and forming new bands, breaking up bands and forming new bands to try to catch this wave. And it was the most bizarre period that I remember as a music, because I'm a musician as well. It just seemed like uh, the media had so much control over what we listened to and record companies were still determining what bands were popular. And this movement came along and people who I never would have thought, when I, you know, they're not selling out, they're just trying to continue to play their craft as musicians, right? So they're just going to where the most popular music is being listened to by the fans. But it was such an odd era and to be frank, I was so glad it was over. So it's really strange to see that it's come back as this retro movement you've got bands like ocean grover who are probably lovely guys and they're great musicians but yeah that have picked up and said right we're going to do that in much the same way that a band like jet remember them from the early 2000s started doing the whole beatles rolling stones thing oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah oh well um yeah dude for sure yeah so correct me if i'm wrong but you're from detroit Yeah, the the whole band is um, born and raised Detroit. Um, all the guys still live there. I recently just moved to Atlanta. Um, have a very serious girlfriend who uh, I definitely see myself being with forever. So she wanted to, um, well, she she wanted to move a little bit closer to her family, and she got a really good job. So uh, moved down to Atlanta. I wasn't opposed to it. Really nice weather. I have a boat and stuff, so I wasn't opposed to getting to use my boat nine months a year compared to Detroit, which is about three. <laughs> and, uh, you know, given what I do, like, I can I can live anywhere. And, uh, yeah, but I, I wound up really finding myself really happy down there. It's cool. It kind of made some new friends. And I still get to spend so much time in Detroit. I feel like I'm there every couple weeks, I mean, for rehearsals or whatever it is the band's doing, because that's still the band's home base. So, it's nice. I kind of get the best of both worlds. I get to live in the city I really, really enjoy and like and fell in love with recently. And I still get to hang out in Detroit, which is a city that I also love a lot and have a lot of loved ones there. So with the greatest of respect, I mentioned this. Most people, including myself, if I go online and type in Detroit, we only hear about the problems facing Detroit, a lot of the economic woes. But, mate, what's your experience of your hometown? It's obviously not going to be that. No, Detroit is, oh my gosh, it's, it has changed so much. Um, like when I was in my early 20s, I'm, I'm in my late 20s now. I'm coming up on 30 this summer, which is sad. But um, when I was like 20, 21, 22, I mean, till I was like 24, 25, like no one would ever go down there really. Um, you know, there'd be like raves and kind of stuff like that that like some people would go to. But like the nightlife wasn't, really there there wasn't a lot of nice restaurants or bars and you know we'd go down there for like hockey games and um you know the football games but that was about it um but now it's like man it it, it has come to life there's so many awesome restaurants and bars and like places to hang like i remember uh 
going to Red Wings games there, uh, our ice hockey team there, um, and then wanting to go out in another part of town called Greek Town and being like, yeah, we probably shouldn't walk it. It's kind of sketchy. And like taking a taxi between the two places. Now it's like so nice. You can you can walk wherever you want now in that part of town, and it's just crazy. I mean, they always talked about all the awesome things that were happening, but you never really saw it. And now every time I go back, it's like you can actually see how much the city's changing and coming back to life. And um, it's way, way different. It's, it's kind of like the same story as New York. You know, they kind of started in the heart of New York and Brooklyn and um, expanded it out, just redoing everything, rebuilding everything. And Detroit's kind of doing the same thing. They started downtown in the heart, and it's um, slowly moving outwards. And now, like Midtown, too, man. Midtown, you if you went there, you would die. <laughs> like, not even, you know six, seven years ago. And now in Midtown, it's like super nice. It's this venue that we used to play reopened and the Red Wings new stadium is there. And it's like one of the richest areas of Detroit now. So it's definitely um, a very different city than it used to be. Hmm. No, fair enough. No, thanks for that. As I say, I think a lot of people get, well, I wouldn't say misconceptions. I mean, a lot of credible media outlets are writing articles about some of the economic woes that, that have occurred in Detroit since the decline of the auto industry in the States, of course, or, you know, when I say the decline, the manufacturing industry, I should say. Um, so it's nice to get someone who actually yeah. is, was, is from there, their perspective. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's it's getting better. It's It's a slow process and a lot of really terrible things happened in the city for a long time, but... Um, it's it's definitely coming back and it's cool it, it's the youth kind of that um had a big effect on the city coming back as well a lot of people moved down there and young people started spending more and more time down there and started getting more money um moving in the city all right so from one geographic location to another australia what's your relationship with fans been like over the years oh man i my band uh Whenever this question comes up, like, where's your favorite place to tour? Like, where could you see yourself living? We always all say Australia. I mean, it's just, uh, it's such an awesome, awesome place. People are really friendly. We have so much fun. We go down there. Um, we usually try to time it out where it's winter here and summer down there. And that's usually when we'll try to go. So it's yeah, a nice plan. escape. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I, I've just had so many great experiences down there. Sweet. Well, um, are you guys coming down sometime in the near future? That's the plan. I mean, uh, we we signed a deal with a you know a record label that has boots on the ground all over the globe. Mm. So I know it's going to be a really busy 2018 for us. We're going to try to hit every single uh, <laughs> country we have fans in. And um, I don't know that I'll be home much, but um, we're definitely going to be playing a lot of shows. So I, I would I would be really surprised if we didn't show up at some point in 2018. Well, you mentioned that you were in your late 20s, almost 30. Well, I'm in my late 30s, almost 40, and I can tell you, you lose your energy the older you get, mate. So please come down here whilst you've still got the energy and, you know, whilst you're globetrotting and get to as many fans as you possibly can. And I meant what I said earlier in the in the discussion as well, mate. I think your new album is fantastic. I think um, I didn't have any background of the band, as I said, and Cold Like War, I've listened to it rather a few times now, and... Um, uh, it's up there, I think, with the album from Ocean's Eight, Alaska, the lads from England uh, that released their album this year in terms of my favourite metalcore release of the year. Damn, man. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm really glad you like it. Um, we're really, really proud of it as well. And um, You know, it's, it's, a, it's a record we really dumped a lot of hard work into, so it's nice to see it be appreciated. 
No worries. All right, mate, I'll, I'll let you get back to it then, and uh, hopefully, mate, when you come down to Australia, we can have a beer. Yeah, man, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'll see you then. <laughs> All right, mate, no worries. Catch you then. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Dave Stevens, a member of the band We Came As Romans. Thank you so much for listening.